This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. Scripture is holy. It is sanctified, set apart from any and all other writings that we have ever had and will ever exist. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. If you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? The gates of hell itself, or the coronavirus itself, will not stand against Jesus building his church. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? What's going on, guys? So typically I have, uh, you know, I've been doing small little lessons uh this week chris wanted to join in on my lesson what's up and so this week's lesson was going to be on judging and it still is on judging what uh what scripture says about judging how people view judging uh is it is it are we not to judge um are we not to judge at all what you know what does that mean as far as judging so um and really, when you think about it, right, John 3.16 at one time was the most popular Bible verse. Oh, that's right, man. Everyone knew it. I mean, it, yep. was, it was plastered on signs at sporting events. Everyone, believer and non-believer, knew John 3.16. Yeah. But there is a new John 3.16. It's not the one that we know. There's a new one. And if I start it you'll be able to finish it. And it starts like this, judge not. Lest. Lest ye be judged, right. Matthew 7, 1 has now become the new John 3, 16, uh, both for believers and non-believers. And really, believers know this verse, they recite this verse, they fall back to this verse because they don't want to be told what they're doing is wrong. And believers, Christians, fall back on this verse because they want to be viewed by the world as non-judgmental. Mm. They, they have this idea that, well, because I'm still a sinner, I have no right to call out sin in another person. Uh, so we, at, at that point, now with the, with the believer, you have a scriptural problem because there are places where scripture tells you to do such things. And it tells you to do it for a purpose. That's right. So, so now how do we reconcile the two, right? How do we bring those two together uh, to say, well, Bible says, don't judge. In Matthew 7, 1, it says, judge not, lest ye be judged. Do not judge so that you will not be judged in the New American Standard. That's right. Now, if we just stop there, that would be pretty clear. Right. If we just stop there, but it doesn't stop there. No, we cannot take Matthew seven, one 
in isolation from the rest of the passage, nor can we divorce it from the rest of what scripture has to say about judging. Um, So what we really need to do is we really need to dig in to Matthew 7 to see what it's actually saying, but then we also need to examine the rest of scripture, other places in scripture that talk about this topic. Absolutely. Yeah, so let's, let, let's get into, I'm going to read, I'm going to read Matthew 7 verses 1 through 5, because that's really this, uh, this section. Go, uh, go, go all the way through 6. You want me to go all, th- all the way through yeah. 6? Okay. Oh yeah, definitely go through 6. <laughs> okay. Definitely right. go through well, 6. Well, just because, you know, people are like, I know there's a lot of people that would be like, don't give what's holy to the dogs. Like, how does that fit in? And then pearls and swine. All right. I was going to make it easy on people, but Chris wants to, wants to jump it, wants it to, to go in there. All right. So Matthew 7, 1 through 6. This is Jesus speaking. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? Verse 5, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Strong, man. Strong, strong, strong. And just like always, what's the first rule of uh, interpreting scripture? Context. Context. What's the second rule for interpreting scripture? Context. And the third? Context. Okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure we were on the same page there. I mean, you have to look at what Jesus has walked through here, um, all the way from you, you know, you have the the Sermon on the Mount. in Matthew 5, you have him telling, uh, telling the, the people there, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees. And so he walks through how we are to view ourselves. He Which, walks, by the way, that's a slam against the Pharisees. Oh, absolutely. So <laughs> absolutely. So, but then he walks through how we are to be with the rest of the world, how we are to be in our personal relationships. And, uh, and this is just me flipping through. Uh, you know, flipping through very, very quickly here, uh, how we are to uh, uh, treat those who are less less fortunate as far as financially than us, and um, how we are to approach prayer. Um, and, and of course, Matthew chapter six ends with that amazing, uh, amazing section there on the cure for anxiety. Um, and what was happening with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the the, the 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 religious leaders of the day is they were creating additional traditions to add to Scripture that they themselves weren't holding to, right. and then expecting others to do so. Uh, so when you again in context, and that's just a very very high level thirty thousand foot view of that passage of Scripture. And now what you just said is very important about the Pharisees creating man-made rules. That's important once we get in, actually get into different types of judging. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, 
so so you see here jesus walking through um this uh, this incredible passage and of course it's mirrored in luke uh, uh luke 6 and uh th there are multiple cross references if you have a bible that, uh, that that shows you what those cross references are you should look them up and you should look into them mm -hmm. um but this this whole section of scripture uh it is important and we have to remember that as believers in jesus christ uh, there is a responsibility that we have towards one another. And, and typically, judging is always, um, judging just carries this negative connotation to it. But it's not always a bad thing. Right. You know, in, in fact, you know, when you flip farther ahead in Matthew, Matthew 18 talks about confronting a brother who's in sin. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the initial confrontation, if that brother reprint, uh, rep, uh, repents, I can't talk today, uh, then congratulations, you have gained your brother back. Yeah. Uh, Galatians 6, uh, I, I've been on this Galatians 6 kick uh, for a little bit, and thank you, uh, Brandon, and the men's muster. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're called to restore mm -hmm. those who have fallen. And so, so in, in, in that viewpoint, the judging is not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. Right. It's, it's accountability. It's accountability. Yeah. It's, it's chastening from the Lord and, and the Lord chastens those whom he loves. And so <clears throat> for those who would stand on the, the, the rocky and or shifty foundation of, well, no, you can't judge me. You're not supposed to only God can judge me. Well, finally, sure. Mm -hmm. The finality of, of, of judgment absolutely belongs to the Lord. Justice belongs to the Lord, as, mm -hmm. as we've talked about on Matter of Theology recently. But we are absolutely called and required by Scripture to, to hold one another accountable and to judge each other's actions. Yeah. I mean, and even just saying that, when someone says, only God can judge me, what they don't know is they've already been judged. They've already right. been judged. They stand condemned and they're just awaiting sentencing. Right. And our job as believers is to actually give them the gospel. Now, when we give them the gospel, that's Amen. not us judging. That's God no. judging according to his standard. Absolutely. And that is what we are commanded to do. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so so let's get into into this text. So verse one, it's very clear. This is an imperative. This is a command. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. It's clear that's a command. But verse two begins the explanation of the imperative. He Jesus is now about to explain what he means when he says do not judge, or you will be judged. And so when we get into verse 2, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. This is talking about the standard by which you judge. This is a hypocritical judgment, which is why in verse 5, he comes out and says, you hypocrite. Mm. It's Here's an example. If someone is living in adultery, and I call them out for living in adultery, and I say that sin, I condemn them, but I myself am living in adultery, that's a hypocritical judgment. And in fact, Paul in Romans 2, uh, if we go over to Romans 2. Man, you read my mind. Yeah, dog. Let's just flip over there real quick. 
Paul in Romans 2, uh, verse, yeah, verse Start 1. Verse 1. Yeah, verse 1. Therefore, you have no excuse. Now, Paul here, once it switches into chapter 2 from chapter 1, Paul is talking to people who believe themselves to be saved. Right. Therefore, you have no excuse. Every one of you who passes judgment, uh, yeah, every one of you who passes judgment, for it is... For in that which you judge, I can't talk either, man. For <laughs> in that, man. for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. That's that's mm. exactly what we're talking about. That hypocritical judgment. We're condemning someone for the same sin that we are doing ourselves. Well, keep 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 going there too. In verse two. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. And to your point, they're in, con again, context, mm -hmm. Paul is, is he just got done wrapping up Romans 1, right? The, the, the first chapter of Romans 1, remember, this is a letter mm -hmm. written to the Romans. So the chapters and, and the verse numbers were not separate at the right. time this letter was written. Um, but but he, he goes into laying out, I mean, the worst of the worst. I mean, this is, this is the creme de la creme of sinners. This is, uh, the, I mean, it, 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 it perceivably cannot get any worse than what we're seeing, you know, uh, he just women gave a big uh, oh, dissertation man. on Absolutely. the ungodly and the unrighteous. Absolutely. So, but there were those who thought, well, I'm not like them, so right. I'm okay. I'm right. safe. Like, kind of like Nicodemus and John kinda, 3. Kind of like the Bible belt, man. <laughs> Slow your roll. We'll reading, come back with that. I'm um, reading a book. Yeah, yes, and that's yes, what you it are. points out. Yes, yes, you are. But kind of like Nicodemus in John 3, right? Nicodemus comes and he's curious. He comes at night as to as to not not show his 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 fellow compadres uh, mm -hmm. that he's going compatriots. You know, we we should also say that that he's going to talk to Jesus. And uh, he approaches Jesus. I just finished uh, Dr. Stephen Lawson's book, New Life in Christ. Excellent, excellent, excellent exposition and devotional written from John 3. And the encounter of Nicodemus. So, but Nicodemus thinks he's good. Mm -hmm. And Jesus even acknowledges Nicodemus's, he, are you not a teacher of the law and you don't know these things? You know, he, he acknowledges that he's a teacher. That, that, that's a big deal. Yep. And, he, and, and, and still he doesn't see it. And so that, that's kind of the same mentality as here is Paul is pointing out just because just because you're you know you're not a slanderer just because you don't you know you're not guilty of murder and malice and uh, massive gossips haters of god insolent arrogant boastful inventors of evil doesn't mean that you aren't held to the standard to which god judges right um and that standard is we all have to be born again uh through new life in christ so that's mm -hmm. that's where that starts yep. um so yeah man sorry for the interruption yeah. but. no no that's good that's good um so so paul right here getting into verse two is talking about your standard of judging he's not or sorry Jesus in Matthew 7 is talking yeah, about your standard of judging. Now, he's what he's not saying is he's not saying do not judge at all. He's saying the standard you judge another is going to be the same standard that's done to you. That's right. So now that's why he then moves into verses 3, 4, and 5. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, 
but do not notice the log in your own eye, right? This, again, that hypocritical judgment. We're not seeing what's right in front of us regarding ourselves. We're pointing out what's in someone else. What we need to do as he moves in to verse 4 and verse 5 is remove the log from our eye. When we remove the log from our eye, we are then able to see clearly in order to help our brother. So now when this is talking about, let, let's bring it home, right? Let's, let's relate it uh, to mm -hmm. sin in our life. Right. When we have a sin issue that we're dealing with, we need to first be repentant and right. confess our sin, mortify our sin, put that to death so that we can then see clearly in order to help our brother through that. Because sin, whether you believe it or not, it blinds you, yeah. it cripples you, and yeah. makes you not be able to see clearly. When, you're, when one person is engaged in sin, and they're trying to, say, help someone out of another sin, more than likely, they're, gonna, they're just going to feed off of each other. Right. Right. So, so nothing's going to actually be resolved. You're actually going to go further into sin. So that's why the one needs to take the log out of his eye, repent of his sin, mortify his sin, do away with his sin in, in order to help his brother. What you got? Yeah. And again, I mean, going back to going back to Galatians, uh, you know, you look at uh, Galatians 6.1, I'm going to read it. Brethren, it, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Now, um, theologians and, and, and commentators and uh, people who have uh, really taken time to study that, that passage of Scripture in the original language, uh, you know, so, some will say we do so with gentleness so that we won't fall into the temptation of being haughty and arrogant. Uh, but some have also said that, uh, that the reason that we, each one looking to yourself, I mean, there, there, there's a semicolon there, in the New American Standard, and of course, we don't know the exact punctuation when the when the letter was written. Right. Um, so, but each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted, um, realizing that we are sinners, realizing that we ourselves wrestle with sin, and that we are no better uh, than that person that we may be quote unquote judging. Um, but that we do so, we, we, we do so with gentleness and we look to ourselves, we look to the, the, the log, um, that's in our own eye, um, you know, and then we can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So mm -hmm. just a, just, just a quick cross-reference there, um, and, and what the apostle Paul kind of, you know, possibly mirroring what, what Jesus is saying there. So, yeah, 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 no, that's, it is exactly a mirror, um, but if, if we take this passage in, in Mark 7 just to say we're not to judge, we have a real issue when we go over to John 7, verse 24, where Jesus actually tells us when we judge, we are to use a righteous judgment. Mm. Now, what does that mean? Because before, if you hold the position that says, I'm not to judge whatsoever at all, but then Jesus himself says, when you judge, do right. so rightly or use righteous judgment. Well, now what does that mean? Because now we have to be careful. Otherwise, we say Jesus contradicts himself. And he absolutely doesn't. And, and it comes right. back to a question that our friends over at Founders Ministries ask constantly, by what standard. That's right. Remember the context, Matthew 7. Uh, the Pharisees, Sadducees, the religious leaders 
are judging not based upon a righteous standard, not based upon what is said and written in the scriptures, uh, based upon human tradition, based upon uh, pride and, um, and, and, and things that you find nowhere in the scriptures. Uh, so when Jesus says in John 7, to judge, you must do so by the righteous standard. It is by God's standard. Jesus is not contradicting himself. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So again, this goes back to what I said earlier. When we when we move into John 7, uh, that when we give the gospel, it's not us judging. So when we talk about anything, we need to make sure we're doing so from a biblical standpoint. Yeah. That way, we ourselves are not judging. Scripture has made the judgment. Amen. We're just pointing out what God says is sin. Right. And really, people don't like that. That's one thing people don't like, is they don't like to be told that their behavior is sin. Now, the problem, especially in today's culture, is it's not that bad behavior is offensive anymore. Now it's saying bad behavior is actually bad behavior. That's what's now offensive. Mm-hmm. As though right. we have no right to call out sin. And I mean, and this gets into another thing where someone says, you, you know, they say, I have no right to call out sin and someone else because I'm a sinner. Well, nowhere, nowhere in scripture is moral perfectionism a prerequisite for calling out sin in someone. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and going back to uh, going back to Galatians. Uh, chapter six, you know, you who are spiritual, um, restore such a one. It doesn't say you who are mature. It doesn't say you who are sinless. It doesn't say you who are perfect. Uh, it says you who are spiritual, you who are in Christ, you who, uh, to whom the Holy Spirit resides in, uh, to whom we should be, uh, you know, living according to this standard, yep. um, the righteous standard. Um, but it's all about in the way we do it as well, that we do so in love. Um, you know, later on in John seven, uh, is, is the section where Jesus is saying that the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is the truth. We, we can't be ashamed of the truth and ashamed of the gospel. Uh, we who are spiritual, not you who are the spiritually elite, not you who are the Navy seals of Christianity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, not you who are the Steve Lawson's, the John MacArthur's, the Vody Bacham's, the Ravi Zacharias's it's no, no, no. You who are spiritual, mm-hmm are to restore. And the first step in that restoration is what? Calling sin a sin. It is judging rightly with love in your heart and the goal being restoration. Yeah. I want to move. Whether that be, whether that be giving them the gospel for salvation and justification or giving them the gospel for sanctification and purification. Yeah. I want to look at real quick. Uh, we, we're not going to camp out there, but I just want to real quick touch on this because I've had it said to me, I don't see where scripture gives me my sheriff's badge to be able to call out false doctrine in someone or anything like that. Well, let me, let me give you your sheriff's badge, okay? Mosey on over, little partner, to the letter of Titus, okay? The letter of Titus. Now, Paul is writing this letter to Titus as uh, qualifications for an elder. Now, uh, I'm going to kind of broaden that. 
I'm going to say not just elder in a church, but I'm going to say if you consider yourself to be a minister of the gospel, uh, someone who ascends to the pulpit to preach authoritatively the word of God. Um, and, and, and really, this isn't just to them. This is for every believer, but a elder must be qualified to do these things. I know Chris I was is just like writing that. Yep. Chris is like, come on, man. We've talked about this. Like, no, no, no. I was going to let you go. And then I was going <laughs> to jump in at the end and be like, hey, but we imitate them as right. they imitate Christ. And right. so ultimately, these are standards for all of us. Go ahead. Right. That, that's exactly right. So, but look down chapter one, verse nine. You, Christian, you, elder, you, minister of the gospel, you are to hold fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching. Now, that teaching is the apostles' teaching, that which is the foundation of the church, uh, the teachings that they received from Christ himself. Hold fast uh, the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict it. Now, can I, can I I'm sorry, I'm sorry, okay. I know you're on a roll, but but I want, I want to back up just a second. Okay. Verse eight. Uh, well, okay. Verse seven, sorry. For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed. Again, this is the, the qualifications for an elder, but this is what we should all seek to emulate. Right. Overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled. Then verse 9, holding fast to the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he'll be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. Now notice there, the first from verse 7 to verse 8, that's removing the speck. Out of, or the log out of your own eye so that you right. are able to, verse 9, right. sorry, go ahead. Right. No, uh, that's exactly right. But in order, so let's look at these qualifications right here that you just mentioned in verse 7. In order to be above reproach, how, do you, how does someone know whether someone is above reproach? They must be judged by how they're living their life. How do you sorry. know Someone is not quick-tempered. They have been judged by someone else to determine whether or not they are, they are or are not quick-tempered. Mm -hmm. Same with addicted to wine, pugnacious, not found of sordid gain. They must be hospitable. How do you know? How do you know if someone is hospitable or not? You have to be able to pass a judgment. Now, how do you know if someone is teaching sound doctrine or not? you must be able to judge rightly according mm. to God's word. That's why he says, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching. Mm -hmm. That is our measuring rod. That is what we use to determine, to judge what is sound doctrine, what is not. That's what we use to judge all of these qualifications. Well, and why do we do so? Why do we do so? Paul continues, verse, verse 10, mm -hmm. for there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching, these, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. You know, this sounds like a judgment from Paul. Well, it is, and, it, and, it's, mean, and it's a righteous judgment. Yeah. I mean, even even look at the letter to the the first letter to the Corinthians, right? That letter 
is a rebuke. That's right. Paul writes a rebuke to a church. He writes a judgment to the church. Galatians, the same thing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, he doesn't really, he doesn't exhort the Galatians. He just gets right into it. Right. Who has bewitched you? Why are you letting them do this? Mm-hmm. And then he just launches into it. Um, and, and he did that because he loved them and he did it in love. Um, and, and, you know, I, I guarantee their, their response for most of them, uh, what those of those of them in Christ was to receive that rebuke. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, and ultimately, I think those of us in Christ, we will welcome that rebuke. Yeah. I mean, unless, yeah. unless we're really wrestling with right. the sin of pride, right. we will welcome that judgment. Yeah. And, you, and really, in order to be an actual member of the church, you have to, because a church's duty is to perform, if necessary, church discipline. Amen. Yeah. And the only yeah. way that a church can perform church discipline rightly is if they are judging according to God's standard. They're judging another individual. Yeah. And that individual, if they are truly in Christ and they recognize that, yes, they deserve to come under church discipline, then they will submit themselves to that right judgment. That's right. Um, so we spent a little more time on yeah. <laughs> Titus than I wanted to, but Sorry. Uh, that's my bad. <laughs> but 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 let's take even Jesus's words when Jesus says that we are to call out the false teachers. We are to we are to examine their fruit. Well, what does that mean? That means we are to judge their teaching, whether or not what they're teaching is actually right or wrong, and that's something that we the believer do. We can't get away from that. Well, and we should be judging ourselves, right? Jesus yeah. said, if you love me, you'll what? You'll obey my commands. And, right. and uh, I mean, we should be looking in the mirror every single day and asking mm-hmm. ourselves, is Christ our, our major mm-hmm. pursuit, the greatest pursuit of our lives? Are we, yeah. as, uh, as Philippians says, are we forgetting what's in the past and, and straining and reaching and lunging and running after what lies ahead? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and, and again, by his standard. So, yeah. And that's actually my first point for kind of a practical application for us is that before we judge someone else, we must first judge ourselves. Amen. Yeah. Cause, uh, again, we have to take the log out of our eye and I'm telling you every single day we have new logs that appear in our eye all day, every day. This guy. And, and, (laughs) and we need to be constantly removing logs out of our eye. Yeah. This is something we will continue to do until we are, we have our, our sanctification is complete once we've reached glorification. That's right. That's um, right. so we, the first thing as far as, uh, by way of application is we must judge ourselves and we must judge ourselves according to God's word. Amen. So the, the second thing I would say, um, in terms of application is I would say that we ourselves, if we're judging ourselves, we should also bring ourselves under the accountability of someone else. That's right. And we should also, if we're bringing ourselves under accountability, we should also hold our brother accountable as well. Right. If, if I have someone that, that claims to be in Christ, but their actions demonstrate they are anything, but I'm to call that out. And in fact, yeah. if we go over to 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, man, we're just all over the text. I, I love it, man. All over and the text. And I hope text. you guys do too, because 
You know, if you, if you follow us and listen to our show, usually it's Chris that's all over the text, but <laughs> tonight it's me that's all over the text. So a good little, a good little swap for you. That's right, man. That's right. <laughs> Let's see. Um, where are we? First uh, Corinthians 5. Is that right? First Corinthians 5. Which passage were you looking for? Um, judging those inside the church. Uh, five twelve. That's right. Five twelve. Yeah. Paul, he says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Right. What, what do I have to do with judging those who don't even claim to be of Christ? I can't go hold them to the standard of Christ that they don't even adhere to. Do you not judge those who are within the church? He's asking a question, but it's a rhetorical question that uh, the response should be, yes, we are to judge those inside the church. But what is that? What is that judging? That's an accountability judging. That's not just a, uh, uh, a, a condemnation. Right. This is a holding your brother accountable so that he puts to death his sin. So we are to judge those inside the church. We can't judge those who don't claim to be in Christ. When we give them the gospel, the gospel judges them. In fact, like I said Amen. earlier, Amen. Wow. They, they have already been judged. Yeah. They're al they've already been judged because their fate, if they remain in their sin, is what? Judgment and wrath from God. Amen. Amen, man. I, when, when you were talking about that, I, 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 my mind was, was brought to, you know, one of my favorite passages of scripture that I'm, I'm studying very heavily right now, uh, John 17. Um, uh, and, and, uh, Jesus, this is the great high priestly prayer of Christ. And, uh, there, there are many theologians who say that this should be the Lord's prayer, that, uh, that the Lord's prayer should be the disciples prayer. And, uh, but what a wonderful and incredible, uh, section of scripture. Um, but, you know, Jesus goes through here, um, and talks about how, um, you know, he's praying for the disciples, praying for the disciples there with him, but then also for us that are in Christ in the future, uh, those who have been given to Christ from God. And, and this is what he prays for us, starting in verse 13, he says, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they, the disciples and us may have joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even if I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So I think about that. I'm drawn to that to say that that sanctification process, that purification process that takes place inside of the church, that should take place inside of the church, is is meant to as jesus prays for later in this chapter to be unifying mm -hmm. um and 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 just drew to your point you, you don't judge we don't judge those outside of the church because those of the world flesh begets flesh they are going to be of the world right. we give them the gospel but those inside the church we do judge with the gospel with the mm -hmm. standard um so that we would be sanctified by his truth purified a purified, clean bride, as Paul talks about in Ephesians 5, uh, for Christ. Mm -hmm. 
So that's I just, right. my mind just yeah, ran there. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. I mean, and a good example of that would be Paul calling out Peter, right? What's going also on? Galatians, there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's going on there? I mean, Peter is, has, has come in and he's sitting with the Judaizers. He has disassociated himself from the Gentiles and he is now going to sit with the Judaizers. And what does Paul do? Paul calls him out. Paul calls him out publicly. Oh yeah. All right. I'm just going to say he calls, he doesn't just pull him aside and he's like, Hey, 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 Peter. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of noticed that. And I mean, and I don't want you to think I'm judging, hey, man. I'm not, I'm not trying to be I'm, judgmental. I'm not trying to judge just, you, but I noticed you uh, kind of did this thing over here. No, he says, Peter, I'm judging you right now in front no. of everybody. <laughs> he said, but when Cephas, notice the name he used, mm-hmm. Cephas, uh, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because his he stood face. condemned. That's right. Whoa. That's right. <laughs> the Apostle Paul confronted Peter. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but now I do want to touch on something that you said earlier uh, as far as the, the context of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is preaching to, he's preaching to everyone, but he's really preaching around everyone straight to the Pharisees, talking straight to the Pharisees, right? And the Pharisees, as you mentioned, were creating man-made rules to add to God's law, mm-hmm. and it was a burden to, to the people. Yeah. Now, we, when we judge, we are not to judge by opinion of man-made rules. And we can see an example of this actually in Romans 14. Mm. Romans 14, where... Uh, Dude, you are all over the place. I love it. I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just get into it, okay? Starting in verse 1. Now, accept the one who is weak in faith but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things. Remember, God declared all things now clean. You may eat anything. But he who is weak eats vegetables only. So the person that is weak in his faith, he's, he's, he's not, he knows that the law says that we shouldn't eat meat. And we shouldn't eat unclean meats. We shouldn't eat meats offered to idols. Okay. Right. And so he's, he's weak in his faith. He's refraining from that. We're not to be the one that judges him for that. In fact, if he, if, if he declines to eat meat that God has declared that is um, at one time unclean, and it's in order for us to not be a stumbling block to him, we too are to refrain while we are in his presence so that we are not passing judgment upon him. That's right. Yeah. That's a good word. I mean, we're not to, because at this point it's still, this is a law that has passed away, but this is a law that man, especially the Judaizers, the Pharisees sought to keep as, as to be oppressive on the people. Right. We're not to judge by that. We are to judge by God's standard, especially those who are weak. We're not to 
we're not to hold to this law as to pass judgment upon them so that they think they're doing something wrong. Right, right. Th those who are weak aren't to cast, aren't to use that weakness to cast judgment on those who are not. Um, right. An example of that would be, um, you know, today, if you've got somebody who maybe looks at alcohol and says all alcohol is a sin, mm -hmm. uh, but then sees someone professing faith in Christ and, and a stronger believer who knows that, uh, you know, partaking in, uh, in alcohol, I mean, there's nothing in scripture that prohibits that it says don't get drunk with wine. Right. Um, you know, but then would, would use that weakness to cast judgment upon someone else. Now, at the same time, on the flip side. We are, we are not to do anything to cause our brothers to stumble, brothers right. or sisters to stumble. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I mean, look at the example of Christ and later on in Romans 15, um, you know, Paul says, uh, now verse one, now we who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Uh, yeah. Each of yeah. us is to yeah. please his neighbor for his good to his edification for even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who are repro who reproached you fell on me. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a balancing act, right? It's a right. and especially, it's, yeah. I mean, you use the example of alcohol. One person, you don't know. They could have. They view alcohol as sin, as any alcohol. You touch alcohol. They could view it as sin, but they also could be coming from an alcoholic background. And so to them, they view that strictly as sin, as a, a restraint against themselves. Sure. Now they may say, if, you know, you're not with me, you know, you go ahead, drink. Um, but to them, it's sin. But likewise, to like, let's, we'll say me, to me, it's not sin, right? right? You, can, you can drink, but at the same time, if, especially if I know someone has struggled with alcoholism, I'm not going to drink in front of them. I'm not going to talk about it. In front. I'm not going to take them to a place where they could possibly be tempted to fall sure. into that sin. Well, you know, we're talking about judgment. You know, I mean, uh, when I was a younger believer, uh, I, I happened to see a, a picture of someone that I looked up to very, very much, uh, a very, very um, uh, uh, well-known uh, believer in Christ. And, and, and this person, uh, uh, if I said their name, you'd be like, Oh, oh yeah, I, I, we all know him. Uh, we'll put it that way. Um, uh, I won't go any farther than that. I almost did. Uh, but I saw a picture. The point is Chris move on. The point is that, um, I saw a picture of him drinking a beer and it, and it, and it, it caused me to go, Oh man, I don't know about that guy anymore. You know, and that was a weakness of mine because of my past um, and family struggle. I'm just not going to get into a ton of detail, but but that was an example of where I could have taken that weakness that I had and judged him right. when he was right. not doing anything incorrect that I could see. Mm -hmm. um, you know, th th there's an example of that. But then again, you know, those of us who are in Christ, who uh, the Lord does use, uh, you know, we, we've got to be mindful of the fact that we have to be aware of who's around us and, and sure. what people may be struggling with. And that's where kind of coming back around to the Titus thing as if those of us, uh, not those of us, cause I'm not, but those who are ministers of the gospel or elders have to be even more careful with that. Mm -hmm. Um, in realizing that you could be ministering or, or, or causing people to stumble, you know, just because you have the Liberty to do something doesn't necessarily mean you should mm -hmm. in public. That's just my opinion with that. Uh, we don't necessarily have to get into that right now, but, 
we're talking about judging. So just mm-hmm. putting that out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just think it's fascinating that those who get on to people for being judgmental, they're actually judging. So stop judging me for judging, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing about judging, okay? You can't get away from it. It's the same thing as, as discrimination, okay? Everyone discriminates, right? All discrimination is, is choosing one thing over another. Sure. Judging, when you judge, you're, you're always judging. You're judging right, wrong. You have to in order to live in society. You have to be judged right, wrong. That's how you know w- what you're doing, right? That we're brought right. up that way. That's how right. you rear your kids, right? Sure, right. Amen. But the question ultimately falls back to judgment of what kind by what standard. Amen. And we have to keep that at the forefront of, front of our mind because scripture doesn't teach not to judge. It actually teaches how to judge and how to judge rightly. That's right. That's right. So, so with that, that was, I don't even know how long we've been going, man, but I don't know. That was our, that was our little lesson on judging. Uh, I was, yeah, I mean, I was for, for the listeners, I was going to do this one by myself and Chris was like, nah, man, I want to say some stuff. And I was like, all right, we can do that. Um, so, so my lesson turned into a conversation and we didn't even get into the Pricope adultery. <clears throat> we had conversation about that earlier today. We just, did. We did. Next time. Yeah. Next time. Next time we'll talk about the Pricope adultery and how it is uh, a great story. That's not actually in the Bible. Uh, we'll talk about how, you know, we don't just have 100% of the Bible, we have 101% of the Bible, and we can still glean wonderful lessons from it, and should preach from it, too. Oh, uh, Yeah, I don't know about that, uh, because I want to preach what John wrote, not what a scribe thinks John should have written. So, it's in my Bible. It is in there, that's right, but scripture, okay, remember, scripture is theonoustos. The problem with the pericope is it's a story that was told, but it wasn't in scripture. It was a later edition. Um, just don't disagree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but but he's not going to get into it. Not right now. <laughs> not right now. Because now people's minds are pricks, and they're and, and they're like pricked, and they're like, oh, now I gotta now I gotta go check that out. What's this? Pricope, adultery, what? I got to check that out. Okay, yeah. look, John, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to give you the reference. The woman caught in adultery, John 7, uh, 50, 51 through 8, 11. 11. Yeah, that's right. Just go check it out. Do some research. Do some research. We're out of here. See ya. <laughs>